0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live.
1: Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to Lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen.
2: Hello and welcome to a sunny, miserable Monday in uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where the local team is Owen to. Yeah. Thank God I don't care anymore. Whew. I you know, I care slightly. I'd rather we win but I don't really care. I don't. Um, it seems like there's so many more important things <laughs> to think about. And then on the other hand, I understand why having uh, a distraction like uh, like rooting for a team in these times is, is also, I guess, a, bo- uh, a boon to, uh, a balm uh, to some people. At any rate, um, I'm glad that I don't care because I remember the misery. I remember how miserable it felt on a Monday morning. Yeah, so just saying. Uh, I have to say that I spent the weekend, um, you know, keeping up on what's happening and finding myself totally uninterested. <laughs> it's a wonder I didn't get more into the game. Totally uninterested. I'm not kidding. Uh, and I'm sure that my sort of weary uh, reaction to current events is is shared by by many because it's just you know exhausting. Uh, you know, almost three years in, where I don't know, I don't react as much uh, to the tweets. I don't want to talk about the tweets. Um, it is true that not jumping when he wants you to jump, not looking when he wants you to look, not talking about him is exactly the way to drive him insane. I mean, oh, we can't he already is. Uh to uh drive him who who knows where over the top. I <laughs> So, let's see. What's happening today? We got uh United Auto Workers on strike. 45,000 strong there. Well, they walked off. 45,000 strong. That is that's a lot of people, no doubt about it. That's the size of a small town. But, uh, boy, back in the day, <laughs> I can't imagine what the membership of the UAW must have been in, like, the 60s or something. It, it had to have easily been two to three times more than 45,000. Have has to be. So they haven't walked off in, uh, what is over 10 years or something, so this is uh, a little astonishing. You don't see labor flex its muscle very much anymore, mostly because it doesn't have much, at least in a lot of sectors, especially manufacturing sectors. I don't know. I wish them luck. I ain't holding my breath. Uh, and and speaking about uh, cars, I guess I'm not really, but the the product that these striking workers uh, make, I I I just want to uh, voice a complaint that I have with Americans' love of SUVs. Um, I had one once. I can't really quite even remember it anymore. And I did. I understand. I loved sitting up above the the peons in their little sedans. Um, I felt stronger, more powerful, safer, all that kind of stuff. But if a person is serious <laughs> about global warming, for instance, you wouldn't be driving an SUV. You wouldn't make that choice. Um, And the reality is, is that when an American buys an SUV now, they are part of an overwhelming majority, 70%, 70% of all the domestic vehicles that get sold are SUVs and slash trucks, 70%. So my complaint is, since I drive a small sedan, because I'm one person with a dog, um, and it seats, I could cram... You know, five people into it. it it's perfectly fine, except any time I park in a parking lot, I really have to remember where it is because I can't ever see it. I can't see it until I'm on a, upon it because it's always tucked in between two of your huge, high-profile SUVs. Um the New York Times actually does report on on this today in their business section uh about how although European and Asian automakers are still making sedans and also with looking toward the future because they know that you know a smaller profile smaller uh gas guzzler will be the car of the future and maybe a gas guzzler of any it won't gas won't even figure in, I don't know, but uh, Americans, pretty much American automakers they 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 aren't even making them anymore. Ford and Chrysler, although excuse me, let me get that right, Fiat Chrysler, that's the name now, Ford and Fiat Chrysler stopped uh making conventional family sedans and compact cars uh almost entirely they they still turn out a few of their uh, like iconic uh cars like the the Ford Mustang but otherwise they're not making them and so i guess even if you wanted one it's hard to find one but this again i i i, I don't understand uh American consumers, or I do, and it depresses me. Maybe that's more correct. After a while with so many SUVs, you know, and you just see, you see one, like, small woman driving this huge friggin' thing, and you think, what the hell is the point of that? They take, also, I want to say that if you live in the city and you drive one of those cars, you're out of your mind. It's harder to park them. Uh, in the East End where I live and in many other neighborhoods, the streets are very narrow. Perhaps there is even cars parked on both sides so that for two cars to pass on what's left of the roadway is almost impossible or requires a, a really good maneuvering and you guys in your big SUVs are just it it's out of place. It's not it's it's I'm just saying. When I dropped back down into a sedan, it took me a long time. I felt like I was sitting on the road. I mean, li- literally like my I was 2 inches from the road where I used to feel above it all. And I, I suspect it is that psychology, more than anything else, that, uh, that drives these sales. The command one feels while seated up there. The fact that you feel you can see over, well, it's true, you can, I suppose, see better over uh, things. Um, and people feel safer. They feel if they have an um, unplanned meeting with my little car that uh, I'm the dead one and they're alive. So there's some of that that goes on as well. I don't know. For Detroit companies, SUVs and pickup trucks, is that's virtually all of their profit, according to this reporting in the New York Times today. So that's uh they ain't going anywhere. Jeez. I I saw something in Nate Silver late of the New York Times, but uh he's the guy who's always sort of looking at the numbers, crunching numbers, analyzing things like that. He he just put out a little thought he had, which I think uh I'm going to try to remember and squirrel away somewhere uh, because I think he's probably right about it. And he says this, As the media becomes more culturally and demographically adjacent to the democratic base. Now that's not the way a, a person speaks. What do you mean? He's saying as the media becomes, the people who make up media become uh, closer to the same people that create the Democrats' base because both the Democrat base, Democrats' base, and the media are urban people. Largely, and college educated. Largely. So, as these urban college educated folks make up the media and also the democratic base, that coincidence, coincidence he says, will create in the media. A reaction of sorts to the GOP base, the GOP base, will appear more exotic <laughs> to media. It already does. Who are these people? right? Who? You see how many times do we have to pick up the paper and see who who are these people's stories? You don't see stories like that about us. Because the people who write all the stories know us. They are us, in large part. But the GOP base is, what the hell is that? It is. It's exotic. It's unknowable. And what do we know about human reaction to something that we don't understand? That we're not comfortable with? that we don't get. We're afraid of it. We're afraid of it. And so, Silver says that the fact that most of the people who are going to be telling us what to think all the time, supposedly reporting on what's happening, as they become more and more befuddled by this exotic, bizarre universe that makes up the GOP, he thinks it will lead media to overstate the potency of the GOP. Because when you fear something and don't understand it, there might be a tendency to imbue it with, you know, powers. I don't get it. These people are scary and they don't make any sense and this and that, but man, they scare the hell out of me. So they are potent. I think he's... I think he's right. I think he's right about that. I mean, every two minutes the new york times is doing a story on they go to some midwestern town and they sit around in some diner and they interview these exotics and it plays on the front page with this sense of like these people are you know they're everywhere and they're they're holding firm they still love the guy, blah, 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 blah. And there's this like, what the fuck? I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it is true, I think. He's got it right. So that's what he said, and I'm, I'm holding on to that one because I think it's already the case, and I think it will probably only become more so. It's like uh, reporters, almost as anthropologists, uh, you know, going into uh, going into a midwestern small town diner, talking to Trump voters. It's like, it's it's not unlike Margaret Mead venturing into the jungles of Borneo. All right. Roger says, I drive a Mini Cooper. Hey, hey, hey. Man, you're lucky somebody doesn't get out of their, their SUV and step on it and, you know, like, just this, this squash it. Jeez. Finding my car in a parking lot can be difficult, but try backing out of a space in a lot full of trucks. You tell me. You tell me. He says, I can't see anything until I'm almost all the way out, which is true, me too, because of their big fucking bulk. They don't give a shit, though. (laughs) That's why they're in that big thing, I guess. It's crazy. It's just crazy. You know what else you can't see? Again, in the city, uh, if cars are parked, if these big friggin' behemoths are parked, And you're trying to turn onto a street, and they're part, you can't see. Again, that's going forward, you can't see. So you have to like venture out and out and out until you're practically, yeah, in the road. You are in the road. Just so you can know if it's safe to get on the road because of these friggin' behemoths everywhere. As to other topics brought up, Roger says this. Steelers, I just don't feel invested in them anymore. The concussion thing has been a big reason, but also the unemployment of Kaepernick is the other. Me too. I just sort of been... <laughs> By the way, the Pirates gave up more points than the Steelers this weekend. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> ha! <laughs> My God! 47 runs? Oh, geez. Oh, And he says, we're recording the Ken Burns series on country music. Oh, I forgot. That kicked off last night, didn't it? That's a nice break from news. Uh, that, that's true. Yeah, thank you. Um, and he wants to know if I've read the New York Times 1619 Project. Yes. Yes. There's so much in there. People should. People should. There's so much in there. Sobering. Sobering stuff. Really? Oh, well. Caller, go ahead, please.
0: Hello, how you doing today? I'm okay. Hey, um, yeah, I I know what you mean. I've been driving four-cylinder cars for forever. And I have a Kia Soul. It sets up. You can see good in it. It's pretty roomy. So, of course, I haven't driven a six-cylinder for a while. These big motors they have in them, and, that and and I'm thinking I'm talking on your show about the economy and the jobs, and really I should be talking about the planet on fire because eventually these people think that they got it all figured out the future, but their future might be looking for clean water and, and go for find clean air. I mean, if they don't start taking this serious, I think I don't even know if it's too late now. I don't know, and I hate to bring that you know talk that way, but it just um,
1: it's
2: close. It kills me. It's really cl- It might be yeah. too late. I don't know. It's close.
0: It um, might be. Yeah. What I was going to say about that on the polls, or they have these polls on the different shows where they show that all the Democrats beaten Trump. And uh, I like to see the polls that are ones in each of these eight states, or I don't know how many, maybe 13. I don't know what the hell it is. What the polls are on now, it's kind of too early to tell, but that's the polls is going to count, not the popular vote. I mean, they could win the popular vote and lose. So, I don't know. It's hard to watch that TV anymore with the CNN and MSNBC. It's like there's no real good station for stuff that we believe in, because they're so... I don't know. I, no, I, I
2: agree. It's, I can't, it's, it's take the it. whole... Yeah, I can't. I. It's very hard to watch it.
0: I can't take a Chuck Todd, uh, Nicole Wallace. They gotta, their lineup is just like... Ugh, I just... The only one I... I don't even... I like Rachel Maddow, but, you know, it just... I don't know. But that, Those guys don't have it. They're, they're acting like the Democrats, you know, all these people are you know, ahead of a Trump, but... Let's wait till next year and go by state by state. I mean, my gosh.
2: Well, you're right. I mean, we do. if we haven't figured out, the electoral college is the thing we need to be looking at. Right. Do we have the votes in the right places, in the right states? I don't know. It's something. But I, I, I hear so like you. you said, I totally
0: hear you. Like you said the other day on the show about we're not as serious people, and you hit the nail right on the head. We'll, be, we'll buy a vote for Kim Kardashian or somebody somebody's uh, eligible, they'll look the other way.
2: Right, right, gotcha. That's true. Thank yep. you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Yep, yep, yep. So Giant Eagle, that's our big grocery chain for those of you who aren't from around here. Um, has now joined uh, the growing chorus of people asking um, those with guns and rifles and assault weapons <laughs> to please not carry them openly in their stores. Now, I mean, this, this is not saying, they're not saying if you're carrying that you can't come in um, because the state allows them to openly carry. However, a business does have the right to deny entry to its establishment by somebody openly carrying. That's not what Giant Eagle and all these other others are saying they're saying we would appreciate if you wouldn't do that and upset our other customers. But because gun-toting... I was going to say assholes. I'm sorry. Gun-toting assholes is not a protected class, okay, Uh, in the Civil Rights Act. So a... A merchant, Giant Eagle, any other, does not, you know, there is can in fact proscribe that those people I ain't serving, okay? Now, they can't do that based on race, religion, gender, but as I said, gun-toting assholes are not a protected class. So technically... They don't say that. <laughs> it's hard to find somebody willing to step up and say to somebody who's got an AK-47 or an AR-15 on their back, you will not be allowed in. <laughs> because you don't know if if he's crazy, it's almost always a he, if always he, no, a white he, If he's crazy enough to need to be in public festooned like that while he's going in to buy some tater tots or something, then he could also be crazy enough to, you know, blow blow you away if he was offended or felt dissed in any way. So... Have you ever seen somebody in a giant eagle openly carrying? I did once. And it was in the market district giant eagle in, what is that technically? Oakland, Side, I don't know. Um, and he was not only uh, in the giant eagle where I saw him, was standing in line at the citizens' Bank uh, little place that is in the giant eagle, they have branches in in the store now I got to tell you i'm a bank teller, and the guy <laughs> the guy who's in line has a gun openly has a gun. <coughs> this is how insane. This is how insane we are. So I guess bank robbers nowadays, they don't have to, like, conceal. They don't have to say, I've got a... They can just walk in in full body armor and, oh, you can't have sunglasses on, but you can have full body armor. We're insane, just want to say. We're friggin' insane. Um... Did you hear about the woman who swallowed her engagement ring? Just trying to keep it light. Uh, She was having a terrible nightmare. She was dreaming that she and her fiancé were um, on some kind of a high-speed cargo train, and there were like bad guys after them, and and her fiancé got nervous that they were after her ring, And he told her, you got to swallow it. Swallow your ring. So in her dream, she said, I popped that sucker off and I put it in my mouth and I swallowed it right down. And then she woke up. Something didn't feel right. Uh, Yeah, because there was a 2.4 carat diamond ring sort of sitting like right it was it was going down um she actually yes had in fact uh had gotten so into her dream that she had swallowed it and then it woke her up now i'm assuming in a case like that you just wait for it to come out the other end right but no she she thought no it's too big and i so she went to the emergency room now you know I suppose ER docs have seen everything, but yeah, I'm sure. But, you know, so she went in and she said, I swallowed my engagement ring. Um, they they did the x-ray and, yep, there it was. It was in her stomach at that point. Um, and they uh, said, you know, we I don't think we can let nature take its course here because uh, – that thing could really rip you up. So um, how about we send you over to the gastroenterologist and see what they can do? So off they went to her, and she had to start up the whole thing. At this point, she was really in pain because by the time the gastroenterologist got to her, it had migrated. She's got good, I mean, her stomach works well, so that motility, I think, is what they call it, was really good. Because by the time they got their hands on her, it was in her large intestine and heading into the small intestine where there could be big trouble. So they just knocked her out and put a probe down. I guess they were able to, yeah, they went all the way down in, snaked around and pulled that sucker out. They did. So, uh, I'm just saying. Uh... Her boyfriend kept the... They gave the ring to the boyfriend while she was in recovery. And she says, he didn't give me the ring back until this morning. <laughs> but I promise not to swallow it, it, it again. So um, there there you go. She now, when she goes to sleep, she takes the ring off at bedtime. She'll lose it that way. That'll be a surefire loss. I don't know. Just saying... Uh, it ain't about you know who, and that's my uh, my intent uh, We're going to be joined before the um, hour is out by uh, a really good guy um, and we're going to be talking up uh, something that is his creation, and it'll be fun just saying. Um, You know, I I just want to say this talk about now impeaching Kavanaugh. I mean, come on, guys. If we can't even effing impeach the, the, you know who, the jerk in chief, why, why, why do we think we're going to now go after Kavanaugh? Huh? We know he was a serial sexual abuser. We know that. We also know that the Republicans on the Judiciary Committee and the Justice Department flat out hampered the FBI and its efforts to uh, check out the veracity of a lot of the accusations against him. Uh, the reporting by the New York Times uh, shows that uh, the one woman who was traumatized by him wagging his member in her face at uh, at Yale at some drunken party uh she gave the FBI a list of at least get this 25 people who had corroborating evidence it was a party she knows who was there These people saw him do it. Guess how many of those people the FBI interviewed? Not a one. The FBI agents who uh, interviewed her found her account credible. They were not allowed to interview the corroborating witnesses. And then there's another story about yet another party that hadn't been known where he did the same thing. He likes taking, taking out his you know what and and, and and waving it in women's faces. This is not normal behavior. And people will say, well he was a young. he was in law school. And now he's a Supreme Court justice. So all the Democratic, not all, but most of them, are calling for him to be impeached. Why? Like Mitch McConnell's Senate is going to convict? What is the point? Damn. So, the only other thing I want to share with you is um, something that Charles Blow writes about in today's uh, New York Times. And, and, and this, too, I don't know, this was from the last uh, debate and when i saw this response when i i watched it and when i saw uh biden's response i was (laughs) i was really stunned by it and i don't think it got a lot of coverage there was so many things i mean I, i This was his response to the question about the fact that he had, years before, uh, said, I'll be damned if I feel responsible to pay for what happened 300 years ago. He he was talking, obviously, about uh, reparations. Um, And he was asked if he... What he said the, the actual question was what responsibility do you think Americans need to take to repair the legacy of slavery um and his response was the most bizarre, unfollowable meandering uh again sounds like you know your your doddering uncle at uh, at dinner. Uh, remembering the the past in a, some disjointed manner. I, I was stunned by it, but I just want to... Blow does go in, and I think this is where my, my mouth flew open. This does include the record player reference. This does include the record, which blew me away. But he ends up rambling, blah, 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 blah. And then he says, he said this, this is, quote, we bring social workers into homes and parents to help them deal with how to raise their children. It's not that they don't want to help. They don't, they don't know quite what to do. Now this is, this as Blow says, this condescending white liberal take on black folks. We bring social workers into their house to tell them how to, uh, to raise these children. Never mind that the same white liberals and white conservatives for that matter were often raised by black mothers who their mothers, birth mothers, hired to raise them so certain were they that these black domestic working women would be great mothers surrogate mothers to their children and biden goes on rambling they don't talking about black parents they don't know quite what to do play the radio uh Make sure you have the record player on at night. Make sure the kids hear words. Now, this is the guy the Democrats are putting up? This is the guy that most black Americans are supporting? What the f- I don't even, I can't even, I can't believe it. And then before Blow closes out his column, he again refers to that also astonishing thing that Biden said uh, before he became Obama's vice presidential choice, the one that I still can't get out of my head, when he called Obama an African-American who was articulate... And bright and clean, it's the clean thing that really sets blow off. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean this is a question going out to black Democrats. What? This is the guy you're gonna help get the nomination? I don't think that makes any sense. I don't think it makes any sense at all. And I don't see him as a sure winner. I do not. We got to go strong, guys. Go strong. I'm going to bring... Paul, I'm on the air, so you're just going to slip right in here. Hi. Hi. Good to see you. This is Paul Fireman. Hi. Hi. Who lives in a firehouse.
1: I do, and I work in a firehouse on Penn Avenue. I know.
2: It is so bizarre. I remember when they put that firehouse, when I heard it was for sale. And then I heard that a guy named Fireman (laughs) (laughs) had bought it.
1: Did you do that on purpose? I did. I did. Oh, God. In fact, I I, think that... The fact that my name was Fireman helped me while I was putting uh, my proposal together. Uh, and at every community meeting, I was challenged about whether I changed my name
0: uh, in order to, to get, your hands get on my it. hands
1: on that gorgeous firehouse. But it's, um, it's a wonderful, wonderful building and a wonderful neighborhood. And I was so happy to be part of um, revitalizing an uh, abandoned building.
2: It was, and a lot of you probably know the building. It's on Penn Avenue at, at Lang. No, 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 at: it is uh, at, Lange. at Yes, at Lang.: No, it is Yes, it's it Lange. is it, at Lang, Penn and Lang. Penn and Lang? And it, it, for a while there, it was a
1: little police outpost. It was a community. So the the firemen left in the 80s, and then for about 20 years, the police utilized it as a community-orienting police station. There was a move to kind of get police officers closer to the community, and they utilized that space for that. And they also used it for police training.
2: And now you're living and working in it?
1: I'm working in it, not really living in it, although I'd love to be living in it, but I'm really just working in it.
2: Oh, okay, okay.
1: And your your work is. I have a company called Fireman Creative, and we are a creative design firm, um, but we also really specialize in community building. That's wonderful. And that's one of the reasons I'm here today. Now,
2: hey, wait! One more question about the your place of business. Does it have a pole?
1: It has two poles.
2: Oh my God! Do you ever? I
1: don't. <laughs> Although... Uh, do other people? I, yeah, some people, <laughs> it's, it's 18 feet down to a concrete floor, Jeez. and it could be an ankle breaker. So um, only careful sliding takes place.
2: I can't imagine. That's, so that's, the yeah, that's The firemen were
1: in, it was an art form. In fact, they had a special move where they twisted their foot around the pole to be able to do a braking technique. I haven't been properly trained, and every <laughs> time I slide it, I get very nervous that I don't want to be the first to break my ankle on that pole. Nah, yeah. So, okay, don't, two of them, though. Two, side by side. It oh, I guess firehouse. so. Yeah, if
2: there was a, you. They
1: were, they were, when that firehouse was originally built, there were six horses stationed there, and they had two wagons, and the, when they went to go, they were ready to hit the road. They slid down at so, the same time, so the firemen would kind of c- come down the poles together. When was
2: the when was it built? Do you remember the and, year? Yeah,
1: it was built in 1888. Okay.
2: So it was built in 1888, and a guy named George Westinghouse
1: was living Just one pretty block much, away. yeah, yeah. And right across right. the street was H.J. Hines. And it right across,
2: the, so Hines was here and yeah, his he, nearest neighbor
1: and friend and a guy he played cards with was George Westinghouse. And George Westinghouse was a remarkable man. In fact, I've through through there there's a park there that was his old estate and George Westinghouse was one of the he was of the robber barons the most progressive
2: without a doubt. And he paid his workers more. They had fr- Westinghouse was so progressive for that time. Obviously, he didn't get through much to uh,
1: Frick over. on the Oh, internet. yeah, totally lost <laughs> on some of his neighbors and friends. And friends. And that's what was so remarkable to me. But George Westinghouse, um, he's, he's really a, um, a remarkable man, not just be- beyond his inventions and what he contributed to Pittsburgh, but also his, um, his really care and devotion of the working man. I just came upon this.
2: Listen to this. His employees worked shorter hours, were given more vacation, were offered educational and cultural opportunities. He paid higher wages so he could build a workforce of better craftsmen and engineers. He hired the first female engineer. He's just totally a progressive. Oh, yeah. In an age that that was not common. Uh, He had 361 (laughs) patents in his name. He's a genius. And we're talking about him because the event, the community building event that I'm going to be at, and I'm hoping you guys will be at too, is in Westinghouse Park, which sits where his home
1: sat. But not just his home. He also had his research labs there. His
2: research labs, which are still... Underground. So underground. interestingly enough, this is the
1: 100th anniversary of Westinghouse Park, when at the time that he, the park changed hands, there was a mansion that was sitting on the property, and there also were his laboratories. And over time, they fell into disrepair, and rather than trying to keep them going, the home and the laboratories were basically imploded into the ground beneath them. There are still tunnels that run that, actually, I have had been fortunate enough You've that have been, been able anyone? to go inside the tunnel. Are you kidding and me? And they're pretty remarkable. But at the ends, there are they're, um, they're brick walls, so I can't, like, kind of proceed to see, like, where the, de- the demolition was well, for the mansion. Well, he built mansions. these
2: tunnels from his home to, to the labs. To the labs,
1: but also to Homewood Station, which was his, his train own little, station, yeah. well, the neighborhood's train station. Oh, okay.
2: And... I mean, the train the train company was his biggest uh, customer, so he built oh, yeah. right. He right, it was right, right he there. Was one, on he the- was
1: one. He was one block from the train station, and he had an underground passage, so he didn't have to go outdoors to get there.
2: Do you know who who spent a lot of time in those underground uh, uh, labs? Tesla. Oh yeah. Tesla, Nikola Tesla came there and was and Westinghouse was totally taken by what tesla was oh tesla was
1: a genius oh.
2: well there were two geniuses <laughs> Wes, can you imagine the genius in that oh yeah i mean i wonder if it's still changed sort of percolating right it did they changed the world so we're talking about being atop this almost like hallowed ground is there like an archaeological attempt to... There
1: is, and that's part of what this entire... uh, Okay. The the event has two purposes. The biggest purpose is actually to bring people together (laughs) on a fun, creative way. So it's called What's the Point 5K? It truly is a point 5K. Half a K. And it is in Point Breeze. And so we kind of love the name. And then the fact that it's a point 5K is significant, because if you do a lap around the park, it's... A half a k. So, <laughs> so it's it's a stroll around. This is it a, is. This is a race for people like me. It's a it's a race for everyone else. So if you ever wanted to run a five k but said that's just too far, <laughs> this is your chance to start and finish.
0: <sighs> and a,
1: we a, also have um, many of Pittsburgh is our sponsor, and they run a sweep car. So anyone who gets tired along the way can <laughs> hop in and take a ride to the finish.
2: <laughs> so is there a registration fee and stuff or there yeah. is
1: um we're charging fifteen dollars and along with that you get a t-shirt and is this streaming yeah so we're i can on, hold up a yeah shirt. Yeah, so we have these beautiful t-shirts nice and then we also get a little water bottle sticker uh-huh. um it's a zero waste event and we actually are having people bring their own water bottles but we also got PWSA who's going to be doing some water education because this is part of the Negley Run watershed. And we're convinced that Westinghouse Park, if managed correctly, can actually help alleviate a lot of the water flow that goes down onto on Washington, Washington Boulevard. Boulevard. Really? So we have several. Where goals. people have died. Absolutely from it's flash scary. Flooding. Yes. Um so We have several goals of what we want to do with the proceeds from this event, um, one of which is to kind of spearhead the excavation of the Westinghouse estate, which I love. But the other part of the goal is has a kind of a community sustainability angle, and that is to be able to put in kind of the the grasses and the um, kind of landscape architecture to be able to absorb water. Because the way things are set up right now is with concrete and yeah. with regular traditional grasses, the just water runs just runs right flows, off. And then it goes, and it basically just it just helps um, as when there's lots of rains and because of the way our sewage systems are set up, it just accelerates the flooding process on um, on Washington Boulevard. And so that, there's two there's two things that are really going on here, but they, the, I'm really excited about the fact that this is Pittsburgh's truly zero waste race. We're not giving out little. Cups for water. We're not generating a lot of extra waste. Well, how are people supposed to have some water? Well, we have a huge thing that is called a water buffalo, and it's oh, going to yeah. be there. And we're inviting mm-hmm. people to bring their own water bottles. But if they forget them, we actually have water bottles that we're giving to people okay. um, so that there will be water there. But it's a it's a reusable water bottle, so you'll be able to keep it as a souvenir after the race. But if you have a favorite water bottle, bring it because we really want to encourage people to kind of be responsible citizens and it's good to have water bottles And with you stop all the, time. the
2: single-use plastics.
1: Yes, no single-use plastics at this event. We also have PRC who's going to be weighing the trash. We're doing a trash dash at noon to make sure the park is perfectly clean and then following the race, we're going to clean everything up and we're going to weigh how much trash was left there and see that it truly we didn't we actually didn't generate a lot of trash in the race.
2: Okay. So I want to talk a little more, though, about this the race itself. So it'll be over in a... What do you think a good
1: time, a finish time is? Oh, it depends on if you're running, walking, <laughs> or crawling. <laughs> um, I, I think that you should probably get done at the slowest of paces in 30 minutes. Oh, come um, I,
2: How could you even take that long? You, you could, could easily because we have,
1: at, at halfway... We have a rest stop that involves Dana's Donuts, which (laughs) are possibly the best donuts in Pittsburgh. And the East End Food Co-op is going to be putting out coffee and bananas. So if you take a a snack break, that can put an extra five, ten minutes onto your time. Also, print newspaper, which is Pittsburgh's smallest newspaper. It's a little community newspaper in the East End. Great newspaper. There'll be some newspapers there, so if you decide to read the paper, <laughs> that could <laughs> slow you down a little bit. That's and true. then hopefully people are meeting and having fun along the way. We have the Taylor Alderdays Marching Band playing music to be able to elevate the uh, enthusiasm. But I, I, this is the kind of race that if you're not in a hurry, that you can take as much time as you want. Wait a minute. Did I hear there were pigs there? Oh, yeah. We're going to have two pigs. These are two what of Frick the- Park's finest. They come and visit and graze in Frick Park, and um, I invited who's the Who are they? Um, there's a couple. Their last name is Kramer. And,
2: and they have um, these pet pigs? And they pigs? own these
1: pet pigs. They're pot-bellied pigs. And I always thought pot-bellied pigs were really small, but these pigs are pretty big. Yeah, well, if you yeah, pigs grow. These are big pigs, yeah. but they're friendly pigs, and oh, they're pigs socialized are wonder- pigs. They're wonderful. They're and s- the couple is so excited about coming. This is going to be their first race. So the pigs are running the races. The pigs are going to participate. They're in. I tell you, pigs are in.
2: I'm in. (laughs) You know, my mom is going to be visiting, so she might be the oldest.
1: I hope she is, but you know, my dad. My dad's 87. Last year at 86, he was the oldest. Was he? And he walks with a walker.
2: Well, my mom's 97 and does not walk with a walker,
1: and she's going to do it. I'm so excited about her joining the great, the, <laughs> the, the what's the point k So um, anyone who's, who's, everyone in Pittsburgh is welcome. Um, I would really, we also are timing this race because last year there was some controversy at the finish line. Oh, no. Oh, yes. I, are you serious? I'm serious. Oh, because no. Because the starting pistol, we use the same starting pistol that they use for the great race. And, um, and I last year made the mistake of saying I would operate the pistol. And so when I went to pull it at the start of the race, the, the, the cap didn't explode. And so some people left without the explosion of the gun. So then when it did go on my second pool which was two seconds. Remember, this is a short race. So if somebody's really racing, that advantage would oh, give somebody no, huge. The, the So trip you to mean the, finish, the
2: real runners
1: got upset. The real upset. runners got upset because of, it was a false start, and well, we didn't what? rerun the race. I said, this is a fun race. <laughs> so, Jeez. So this year, what? no controversy. Okay. First of all, I'm not going to be operating the starting pistol. Don't give um, the pistols to firemen. I'm, That's giving, no how to shoot. I'm bringing in a professional. Okay. Um, and we have the same people who time the great race and the marathon timing this race. Oh, and to make sure that it's still zero waste, the <laughs> bibs are all recycled from past races. So people are going to get random bibs from other runs. <laughs> <laughs> you and, know, we
2: left out the dog
1: thing. So you know, thanks to I the pigs, thanks we'll be- to Ginny Hildebrand and Puccini's, um, who is a near neighbor to Westinghouse yes, Park, yes, and a good friend, and she's a wonderful, wonderful woman. <laughs> and last year we had a lot of people bring their dogs, and the dogs were welcome to participate, but we didn't make it known. And so this year we created our own dog jog, so that the dogs can actually race together, and for people who want their dogs to be part of it, they can um, get a get a time for their dogs. How wonderful.
2: And the dog races before the human race? It's races? The after.
1: after. It's, an, it's at 1.15.
2: Okay. And the human races when?
1: At 1 o'clock.
2: <laughs> Wait a minute. You said it might take a half hour for so the some... the dogs might pass the people who are at <laughs> snacking.
1: But they're invited to stop too. We're gonna have water bowls at the donut and coffee <laughs> okay, stop. Okay, so they'll stop. So if that. they
2: stop, then they, might, they might
1: take half an hour too, and they're starting 15 minutes later. <laughs>
2: this is not a rush. Okay, so again, this is this is fun. It's neighborhood building. This is North Point Breeze. So uh, if you you're on Penn Avenue and you turn onto Lang,
1: Westinghouse Park is just two blocks it's one it's one block. it crosses mead and then it hits um thomas boulevard and it's actually between thomas boulevard and And, what most people know is the martin luther king busway yes Um, and so it's um it's former railroad tracks as we were discussing before with george westinghouse and he really really changed the railroads with the invention of the air brake. that was his biggie um so it's it, his his estate is appropriately located right next to the tracks. And so the in this park is there it's a gorgeous small park and um we're going to be celebrating it. Maybe you'll know the answer to this. On Penn Avenue uh between
2: Lang and Murdoch there is this fence this
1: uh ornate iron
2: ornate fence. iron fence is that his fence?
1: No. That is that No, his nearest next-door neighbor was H.J. Hines and that was H.J. Hines's. Oh, fence. that's
2: Hines's
1: fence. And in fact, the wall, there's a wall that runs the perimeter and that yeah. was H.J. Hines's wall. And his estate was a full city block and then that estate was subdivided into housing in the 1920s.
2: It's a shame that these places were all ripped down, but I guess they're too big. I mean, well, I, I, well, I mean, think I'll about either. the
1: fact that there's now probably 60 to maybe 80 homes on what was one home for the Heinz estate. That's true. Um, Westinghouse Park is a park, so that's kind of open to the public. But I think we, you know, sometimes, you know, we have we have a scarcity of land in the city, and that's turning it into housing is not always
2: well. Bad. So many of us in the East End live on what was a huge. Farm. Estate and farm. Yeah. I know I do. Uh, David McCullough, the historian, once told me when I told him where I lived, he said, oh, that was the, and I can't remember the name, so-and-so estate. We used to play up in his stables. So, yeah, that's all I I,
1: we, We have a really, really wonderful, rich history in Pittsburgh. Westinghouse Park is just one small piece of it. We're also blessed with these amazing parks of Shenley Park and Frick oh, Park. Yeah. And I think it's some of the great assets of Pittsburgh. Um, and um, I think that this event is actually going to give people, if they haven't been to Westinghouse, an opportunity to come see it. You'll be able to participate in an event that everyone can finish. And <laughs> even if you can't go the full 0.5K, we have a vehicle to take you to the finish line.
2: There you have it. And there's donuts, and newspapers, and a marching band, and pigs, and dogs. And an dogs. accordionist.
1: And then, uh, well, there it is. Deborah Knox on the accordion. (laughs) Oh, and I didn't talk about this. We have giant puppets. So we have a giant puppet of George Westinghouse, who's actually going to be running the race. And Print Magazine is going to be publishing the Times. So George Westinghouse is actually going to finish, and we're going to get a time for George Westinghouse. We have an Andy Warhol puppet that's going to be running with a banana. And uh, <laughs> the East End Food Co-op is bringing a costume banana. And so it'll be a fun, fun, fun event. In fact, if you want to bring your own costume, you can feel to dress up and treat this as an early Halloween.
2: What fun. So if you're looking for, really. I mean, we deal with so much uh, on this show talking about uh, uh, all the bad stuff this is This is all about... This lo- shows that life is about,
1: goes our and, lives. It's also about loving kindness. And I think that we can get together with some joy, and to celebrate each other, and to protect a park that needs some love, um, then what, what better way to get together on a Sunday afternoon? And everyone can sleep in, And or if you go to church, it's not going to
2: Yeah, it's not like, that. you know what, it's like all these races, they have to get up at some god-awful time. Oh, no, of, this, it, this, this lets this you do whatever you need for, to do. It's yeah. at 1 o'clock in the
1: afternoon. And it's not competing with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who don't play until 4.30 that day, so that's another thing. I mean, it's, thing.
2: everything has
1: been... Taken care of here. This is beautifully put together. Well, thank you you for including me and for um, helping kind of get the word out. We really want to have this race be well attended and have a lot of people um, just get out and and support it.
2: Well, we you did one
1: last year. It was so
2: successful. This is two. So get in on the beginning of what I think is going to prove to be just a fun, wonderful. Pittsburgh neighborhood event. What's the point? 5k. 0.5k. A race you can actually run or walk <laughs> or stroll. What's not to like? I love it. Okay, so what should, they should get there if they want to do the race. So or if what they want to do
1: the race, they should one. You could sign up on the spot. It'd be better for us just to know who's coming. So if you can possibly register online at what's the point 5k, and there it's just p o i n t 5k. There's no extra decimal point in there. So at what's the point 5k dot com. Um, we if you want to just show up you can come the race starts at one so i would probably recommend that you get there at 12 um there is a tr- park cleanup that's happening then so if you want to be part of that the trash dash is at noon um and that's um that's a really fun event as well where we kind of make sure the park is looking spick and span before we do our race sounds wonderful
2: thank you paul fireman
1: thank you for having me okay on i'll see you sunday. i'll <laughs> see you sunday i'll see your mother on <laughs> uh, sunday i'll see
2: my mom on sunday and my sister and my dog And I hope we'll see you, really, what's not to like. Thank you. Join us. Bye-bye.
0: Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints a Pittsburgh City paper or its advertisers.